Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Well, hello everyone. I'm Pastor John. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, but I have had a chance to meet all of you. So, hi. (laughs) I've seen you all before. So, welcome to Stonebridge. We are in this sermon series called The Rise and Fall of David, in which we are looking at the rise and fall of David. And we're in the rise portion of this sermon series. This is our second week. And we're going to be looking at one of the key stories of David's rise this morning. The story of David and Goliath. That's right. Today we're going to tackle Goliath. Get it? That's what David does? Yeah. 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 (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So... The story of David and Goliath. Before I read the scripture, there's some background here. David is at the battle lines. Israel has lined up against the Philistines, and David is there with them. And David isn't really supposed to be there with them. David is a shepherd. He's there to check on his brothers. But while he's there, a Philistine champion named Goliath steps forward. A very, very large man. And he's taunting Israel. He's taunting Israel's God. He's taunting them, egging them on, trying to get them to send forth a champion. This is one of the ways you could solve a battle or resolve a battle was by having two champions fight each other instead of the whole armies fighting each other. And Goliath is challenging them and nobody is willing to step forward. But David has said a number of times that he would be willing to. And that's where we pick up here. I'm going to read 1 Samuel 17, verses 31 through 50. 1 Samuel says, And the words David had spoken were heard, and they told them to Saul the king, and he fetched him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail him. Your servants will go and do battle with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You cannot go against this Philistine to do battle with him, for you are a lad, and he is a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, A shepherd has your servant been for his father and the flock. When the lion or the bear would come and carry off a sheep from the herd, I would go out after him and strike him down and rescue it from his clutches. And if he would rise against me, I would seize his beard and strike him and kill him. Both lion and bear your servant has struck down, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has insulted the battle lines of the living God. And David said, The Lord who has rescued me from the lion and the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. And Saul clothed David in his own battle garb and put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him in armor. And David girded his sword over his garments, but he was unable to walk, for he was unused to it. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk in these, for I am unused to it. And David removed them. And he took his stick in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the creek and put them in the shepherd's pouch he had, in the satchel. And his slingshot was in his hand. And he came forward toward the Philistine. And the Philistine was drawing near to David, the man bearing the shield before him. And the Philistine looked and saw David, and he despised him, for he was a lad and ruddy with good looks. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you should come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. 
And the Philistine said, Come to me, that I may give your flesh to the fowl of the heavens and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, and I come to you with the name of the Lord of armies, God of the battle lines of Israel that you have insulted. This day shall the Lord give you over into my hand, and I will strike you down and take off your head. And I will give your corpse and the corpses of the Philistine camp this day to the fowl of the heavens and the beasts of the earth, and all the earth shall know that Israel has a God. And all this assembly shall know that not by sword nor by spear does the Lord rescue, for the Lord's is the battle, and he shall give you into our hand. And it happened as the Philistine arose and was drawing near David, that David hastened and ran out from the lines toward the Philistine. And he reached his hand into the pouch and took from there a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. And David bested the Philistine with sling and stone and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And no sword was in David's hand. Please pray with me. Lord, you have brought us here this morning so that we can reflect on your scriptures. And through these scriptures, Lord, we ask that you teach us what it is we can learn about David and what it is we don't learn about David here. Teach us what it is we can learn about you and your faithfulness. Teach us what it is we can learn about how we are to live our lives, the ways in which David may be an example and the ways in which David may not be an example to us, Lord. Speak to us through these scriptures now. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So as we begin this sermon, I, I just want to prepare you all that some of you, maybe most of you, are going to disagree with me this morning. And that's okay. We're talking about David. We're talking about David and Goliath. And when it comes to the human characters in Scripture, it's perfectly fine for us to disagree. Sometimes I think we can take these human characters in Scripture and we can lift them almost too high and start treating them as though they are Jesus. But David is not Jesus. David and Jesus are very, very different. And it's okay for us to disagree about our interpretations on David and the story of David and Goliath. I think it's less okay for us to disagree about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is fully God, fully human. Jesus is God in human form. Our faith rests on the truth that Jesus was God in human form, suffered and died and was raised again. And because of that, we have hope for resurrection. When it comes to Jesus, I don't think there's a lot of room for disagreement. But when it comes to somebody like David or other human characters in Scripture, we can disagree. And I think we should remember, these are human characters. They all fail. The human characters throughout Scripture fall short over and over again, and sometimes they do terrible things. The only exceptions seem to be Joseph and Daniel, who are like the golden boys of the Bible. Everybody else, they make terrible mistakes at times, and David is no exception to that. So there is room to disagree. Because this morning, I want to present the David and Goliath story in a way that you may not be used to, but in a way that I believe is more faithful to the scriptures and takes account of all the details of this story. And not just this story, but David's story in its entirety. See, normally the story of David and Goliath 
is told as one of a miraculous victory achieved by an underdog who's overcame the odds. That's how I think it's presented. And when we talk about David and Goliath's stories in culture, or we're talking about underdog stories, people who the odds are against them, but they overcome those odds. The thing is, I don't think that's how this story is actually presented in Scripture. I don't think this is a miraculous story of somebody overcoming the odds. I mean, first off, I don't think it's a story of a miraculous victory because where's the miracle? A miracle would have been David shooting lightning out of his hands or something at Goliath. Something that we can't really explain. But we can actually explain what happened in this story pretty easily. We can actually explain how David defeated Goliath pretty easily. And this isn't a story, I think, of somebody overcoming the odds. Because the moment David decides to not wear Saul's armor, the odds are in his favor. So this isn't the story of somebody overcoming the odds. Let me just explain what I mean by that. What Goliath is inviting Israel to is one-on-one combat as two champions. And the way that you would do that in the ancient world in this time period is both of the champions would put on bronze armor that was heavy. And they would get close to each other. And once they were close to each other, they would just wallop each other with swords until the armor fell off of one of them. And once your armor fell off, it was over. You lost your life. That's how Goliath is expecting somebody from Israel to come forward and to fight him. And notice that Saul, the king, puts his armor on David, preparing him to go and fight Goliath this way. And let me just say, if David were to continue on wearing Saul's armor, well, yes, the odds would be against him. David cannot fight Goliath on Goliath's terms. He's going to lose if he tries to do that. So what does David do? He says, I can't walk in this stuff. Take this off of me. And he goes and gets the weapons that he's used to. And at that point, David is now the overwhelming favorite in this encounter. In fact, the writer Joseph Heller, in his book, God Knows, reflecting on David, he says, Goliath didn't stand a chance. And here's why. As David tells us, he's a shepherd. He's taken down bears and lions. Now, I don't know about any of you, but I've never wrestled a bear or a lion. If I were to ever do that, though, the last thing I would do is get as close as possible to them. Instead, I would do what David did, what most shepherds did. You get a sling, you get a rock that's about the size of a baseball, and you stay as far away from it as you can, and you hurl rocks at it till it's done. That's what David says he's going to do, and that's what David does. Goliath is sitting there wearing all of this heavy armor. Goliath cannot move. Goliath is a sitting target for David. So what does David do? He keeps his distance the entire time. You can see Goliath in this story saying, come near to me, come near to me. Well, if David were to get near to him, it's over. He's going to lose, but he keeps his distance. Goliath's sword can't even reach him. And then there's another detail here. Notice that when David does use his sling, the rock hits Goliath in the forehead, and we're told it sinks into his forehead. Well, a champion who's ready for the fight 
would have been wearing a helmet that would have covered his forehead. Goliath doesn't have his helmet on. Goliath isn't even ready for the fight. That's why David runs at him to get momentum and to catch him by surprise. David was going to win this fight from the get-go. Because as Malcolm Gladwell says, reflecting on the story, David brought a shepherd's tools to the battlefield. So this isn't a miraculous victory overcoming the odds. I don't believe, and I don't think that that's how the scriptures present it to us. I think that's an interpretation that's developed through culture, through people reflecting on it because we all love an underdog story. I think what's being presented to us here in David and Goliath is a character trait of David that is critical for understanding who he was. David is canny. David is cunning. David is a military thinker. And over and over again in his story, he's going to display this character trait where he's willing to do what it takes to win. And at times, this character trait serves him well, like in the story with David and Goliath. You should know that David entering into this story, and David, by the end of the story, he does pretty well for himself. He puts his name on the map. He marries one of the king's daughters. He becomes a great military leader in Israel. This story works out in David's favor. He gets ahead big time here. So sometimes this trait, it serves him well. David being willing to throw a convention to the wind and not play by other people's rules, but change the rules and break the rules so that he will achieve the victory. Sometimes it works to his favor. Other times it works to his detriment. There's a story later on with the Philistines. Remember, Goliath is a Philistine. They're the enemy of Israel. And there's a story in 1 Samuel 27 where David is exiled from Israel. And where does he go to live? He goes to live with the Philistines, the enemies of Israel. In order to do that, he would have had to have declared himself an enemy of his own people. It's not great, but it's how he moves ahead. Then as David is living with the Philistines, he's told to go on raids against Israel. He doesn't do that. He goes on raids against the allies of the Philistines, and he lies to the king of the Philistines over and over again. He's willing to outright lie to continue living in the Philistine land. And then one of the most troubling stories for me with David, the king of the Philistines calls his armies together, and they line up for battle against Saul and the Israelites, and David lines up on the side of the Philistines. David is ready to go and fight Israel, his own people. The only reason he doesn't is because the Philistine generals don't trust David and they tell the king to send him away. David is willing to lie, to break the rules, to get ahead. Sometimes it helps him, other times it doesn't. But the problem for me with this is that whenever somebody is willing to break the rules to accomplish a victory, whenever somebody is willing to be dishonest to accomplish a victory, whenever somebody is willing to do whatever it takes to win, I think you're actually showing a lack of faith in God. And I think in our culture today, we are too quick to praise those who are willing to do whatever it takes to win. 
We talk about it as though it's unequivocally a good thing to have that kind of a spirit. Uh, But I don't think it is. And I think we see this when we look to Jesus. Remember, David is not Jesus. And right now, you might be frustrated or annoyed because you like David. And just let me tell you something. I'm being negative of David here, but he's fine. David's okay. His legacy's intact. He's got the Michelangelo statue. He's fine. We can be critical of the human characters in Scripture. But when you turn to Jesus, one thing that I think that we never see in Jesus is a willingness to cut corners in order to win. In fact, we see the very opposite in Jesus. In Matthew 26, 47 through 54, we get a story where Jesus is basically facing, 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 sorry, my lisp came out there. Fun story, actually. I'm going to just share this with you all. Totally off topic, but it just happened. I grew up, I had a lisp that I had to go to speech therapy through. And sometimes when I get really excited about what I'm saying, I forget that and I go back to the lisp and it just happened there. So I'm excited, folks. Fun fact, right? We're not putting this one online, by the way. Anyways, Jesus is facing a Goliath of sorts. The Roman military, Roman soldiers are coming to arrest him. And this is how Jesus responds to this moment. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say it must happen in this way? And at that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. And then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Think about that story for a second in comparison to what we see from David regularly. Jesus says, don't you understand I could change the rules of this game? I could call down legions of angels right now and you would lose. But instead of doing that, Jesus submits. He suffers. He loses in that moment for a greater victory that God will accomplish. I think in that we see the depths of Jesus' faith. And we realize that if your faith is really rooted in God, you don't cut the corners that Jesus gives us when it comes to the rules that we have to live by. You're faithful to it. You don't lie to get ahead. You don't harm others to get ahead. You don't do whatever it takes to win if Jesus is actually your king. There's another story where Jesus is offered a chance to cut some corners. It's in the temptation story. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. 
Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. With that last temptation, Satan gives Jesus a way of avoiding the suffering, of winning the victory, of ruling over all the kingdoms, right there in that moment, and Jesus says no. A big portion of David's story, and when he cuts a lot of the corners that he cuts, when he's willing to do whatever it takes to win, it's in pursuit of the throne. It's in pursuit of power. But Jesus refuses that. And over and over again in his ministry, Jesus refuses the crown. There's a story in John that says the people want to make him king, and what does Jesus do? He goes off into a hill by himself. Try to put David and Jesus in the same situations. Could you ever imagine Jesus declaring himself an enemy of Israel to go live with Israel's enemies and then lying about performing raids? No. You would never see Jesus doing anything of the sort. I think Jesus displays for us a deep, deep faith in God. And we can have a little bit of grace with David. David did not have the full picture David had been anointed king, and he knew that someday he would sit on the throne, but he didn't have the full picture ahead of him. And I think far too often he took matters into his own hands, and it leads him into a lot of trouble. Jesus never took matters into his own hands. He remained faithful to the God of Israel. He remained faithful to the way of life God had called him to. And for those of us who would lift up Jesus as king, I think that's our calling. We don't get to be like David. We don't get to win at all costs. In whatever area of life we think we need to win in, we don't get to do it at all costs. Jesus is our king. He has shown us how to live our lives. He has shown us the integrity required of his followers. He has shown us how to be his people in this world. We don't get to cut those corners. And at the end of the day, we know whatever victories there are that need to be won, Jesus already won them on the cross. Jesus is sitting upon the throne. He is the king. So may we be his faithful subjects. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your example. Lord, we can become so used to stories like David and Goliath that we lose sight of what they're actually introducing us to. We can have them told to us through culture rather than looking closely at the scriptures. We can miss the point so often, Lord. 
But Lord, we know that while David was your servant, David also messed up over and over again. And while David was the second king of Israel, the one who united the kingdom, he made many mistakes also. But we thank you that you, as a good God, never make mistakes. We thank you that you, as our Lord, have shown us how to live our lives, and that you, as our King, have shown us how we can be faithful to you. So help us to not cut corners when it comes to the rules you give us to live by. Help us to lift up your way of life and to follow it faithfully.
must declare his praise for who can stop the lord almighty